And uh, I know, I'm sure you have been thankful for that as well. I want to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to the, to the book of, I just forgot it. Don't have my notes up. Second Corinthians, right? I'm confused. If you come back tonight, you'll know why I'm confused. Because tonight we'll be in 1 Corinthians, God willing. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5 this morning is where we are going to be. And I want to invite you to turn there in your Bibles. It'll be on the screen a little bit later. If you need to see it there as well. If you're taking notes, get your outline out and get ready to go. We're going to jump right into that as well. Um, a couple different scripture passages that I've just put there as a reminder for you. I, I had another outline ready to go, and, and God kind of prompted me and said, no, I want you to give them this reminder in their outline. So you'll see there in the first part of your outline, the old life is gone, a new life has begun. And then a second passage that we're going to dive into a little bit later, part of our text today. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. And that will come to life for us a little bit later on. I want to tell you a story. I want to invite you to come with me on a mental field trip, if you will, just, just briefly into my life and to my memory bank. And just, uh, just bear with me for a minute. The year is 2005. So how many of you can remember back that far? A little bit? A couple of you? Okay. 2005, and my, my family had made a transition in 2004. My mom and dad had moved to Wichita, Kansas to take a new pastorate there as they felt the Lord leading, but I was still living back in Lincoln, Nebraska, and uh, I was a part of the church there. That was a church that I had uh, in many ways grown up in as a teenager and began leading in that church in various ways, and so I had stayed behind. I was an adult at the time and living on my own, and I just felt like the Lord needed me there for at least another year before I figured out what I was supposed to be doing, but one of the things that God had me doing, believe it or not, at that time in that church was I was helping sing on the praise team. How many of you can believe that? Don't raise your hand. Um, and it was 2005, and it was coming up to Easter time. And believe it or not, they asked me to sing uh, on the praise team on Easter Sunday of all Sundays, the, the, big, the big Daddy Sunday. And I thought, oh boy, they don't even know what they're getting into here. Uh, and so I was all excited. I went to practice, and I was excited for, the, the, for Easter Sunday. And we start talking in practice about... Um, about what we were going to wear, believe it or not. We were going to coordinate our outfits, and there was about eight of us that were singing on the team that week. And uh, so they were talking about the different colors and, and all that they were going to do. And so I'm getting pretty excited. I'm like, you know what? I get to go buy a new outfit. I'm excited for this. This is, this is the kind of shopping for clothes I enjoy, believe it or not. I, there's other clothes shopping I don't enjoy, but I thought this is going to be fun. So I was all excited. It's Easter Sunday. As you know from getting to know me a little bit, there's only a few Sundays a year that I wear a suit. One of those is Easter Sunday. Uh, and so I went out and I went and bought a new suit. And I was so excited. I went to the mall and I, I got fitted. I made sure it fit just right. The jacket was a good fit. The pants fit well. And then I was like, I need a new shirt. I need a new tie. I just, need to, I just need to get this all figured out. And so I did. I got, I got the new suit, a new black suit, and a, a nice Easter pastel colored shirt, kind of like Greg's shirt today, that purplish color. And then I had a new crisp tie that I was going to wear. I was so excited. We get to, we get to Sunday, and uh, I get up that morning in my apartment. I'm getting ready for the day. I had ironed my shirt the night before like any any good man does, right? He irons his own clothes, amen, women, yeah. Uh, 
and I had that shirt pressed and ready to go. The tie was still crisp. I got dressed, and I have to admit, man, I looked good. Oh, man, I looked good. Uh, kind of like today with my llama sweater. You like, yeah, you know, I, my wife didn't like this choice today. But, you know, I, I, I got this new suit on, the new shirt, new tie. It's all pressed. It all looks sharp. I felt like a brand new man because I was wearing brand new clothes. And I looked good. I was, I was excited because I felt good. I looked good and I knew I felt brand new in those clothes. Have you ever experienced that feeling before? Putting on new clothes that have never been worn, it just that crispness, it does something to us psychologically. Maybe it's not clothes for you. Maybe it's taking that brand new tool out of the box for the first time. And you plug that thing into the wall or you put the battery up pack on it and you hit that button for the first time and boy, it just charges you up. Maybe for some of you, it's a, a brand new book that the cover has never been bent. And there's something about brand new. Brand new is exciting. Brand new is pure. Brand new is ready for adventure. I believe that as we continue our New Year series, that God wants us to, to show us something today about becoming a new you. It's a new year, so why not experience a new you? 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to read this whole passage to us this morning from begin reading with verse number 1. So follow along in your Bibles or on the screen, and we will read through Paul's letter here in chapter 5. For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is, when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. We grow weary in our present bodies and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh, but it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. God himself has prepared, for, prepared us for this, and as a guarantee, he has given us his Holy Spirit. So we are always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. For we live by believing and not by seeing. Yes, we are fully confident and we would rather be away from these early, earthly bodies for then we will be at home with the Lord. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please Him. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. Are we commending ourselves to you again? No, we are giving you a reason to be proud of us so that you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. If it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. 
He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we stop evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for your word. Your word that you used Paul to write to the church in Corinth. That we are able to still read today and you can speak to our hearts today in a new way. God, I pray that the miracle of preaching would take place, that it would be your words that penetrate our ears and hearts. To hear what you have to say and then to respond in obedience. God, have your way today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. A couple different things I want us to see this morning uh, that I believe God wants to show us through this text. The first thing is this. We all are experiencing life in our old bodies. Old bodies equals old life. And, and the first passage, first part of this passage, verses 1 to, through 10, tell us and give us a picture of what we're currently going through in our current earthly bodies. When we live in earthly bodies, we do earthly things in those bodies. And we long as Christians... Now, you've got to stop here because you've got you to remember this passage in the context of what Paul is doing here, okay? Paul is not preaching and teaching. He's not writing this letter to people who don't know and believe in Jesus Christ, okay? So we've got to get that concept out of our mind. These are all people that have already understood that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, and they've at least attempted or they're, they're searching or they've put their trust in Jesus Christ. Okay, And Paul's trying to encourage them in their walk. He's trying to help them to realize something. The old way of thinking is past us. And behold, Christ wants to give us a new life. But first, he's got to talk about the old life. And he talks about this old life because we go through life in these old bodies, these bodies that, that God has given us, that we have been blessed with. And some of us take better care of ours than others. Amen? And this is that time of year where people try to get back in line, where we set resolutions and we make goals. But I don't know about you, does you do you ever have those mornings where your body talks to you? Yeah, yeah. Our body has a language of its own. It will our body speaks in tongues, believe it or not. And it, it groans and it, it moans and it aches and it pops and it does different things when we move certain ways that we shouldn't or too fast. And some of us, it talks to us more than others. But our, our old bodies have wear and tear on them. Our old bodies go through the ringer of life. Our old bodies, they struggle physically a lot in this life. Paul gives us encouragement and hope that though we live in these bodies now on earth that as Christians we have a hope that one day God will give us new bodies and we will be with Him forever. Amen? As I mentioned, many people this time of year make resolutions for their old bodies. I, I have done that in the past where I'll make a resolution and I'll begin to set out on, on, my, on my way to accomplish the goal and my wife gives me a hard time sometimes. She's like, BJ, you're a 
you're a, an all-in type of person. You go all out and then you crash really hard because you're all out. <laughs> and uh, that's true. And so there's many times that I don't even make it through January with my New Year's fitness goals and such. And uh, this is one of those years that I made it maybe two weeks. And then, you know, something happens in our old bodies. We can start, we can start working out or we can start eating better. And then our bodies talks to us then too. And it, it's like, man, that's, that's sore. Maybe I shouldn't do that. But then there's times when it, you start doing it and you power through and you get through it and your body starts to feel comfortable with it. You're like, boy, this, this could work. And then you have one of those infamous cheat days. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You eat whatever you want. You don't work out. Then all of a sudden the cheat day turns into two, three. Pretty soon you're not in the habit that you were before to take care of our old bodies. The results that we had seen are gone. And we're back to the old way of doing things. You know, in other words, working out our old bodies does not guarantee that we're going to get a brand new body. A brand new body that's free from aches and pains. We may get into better shape. We may lose a few pounds, but we're still in the same old body that we were born with. From a spiritual standpoint, though, when we're born, we're born with sin in our life. We're born with a way that we are slanted towards self. We're born in such a way that we have a me-first attitude. And many times we go through life and we just think, you know what, this is good for me, so I'm going to go ahead and do it. It doesn't matter if it's good for you or not. And that's, that's just natural. That's the way we live. That's why usually you, you, when you have children and they're babies and they begin to speak and, and you're trying everything you can do to get them to say your name first. You know what I'm talking about? Mama, Dada, you know, that kind of thing. We're right there in that stage. And so uh, it's one of those things that Alicia, she doesn't like it because Sakina's saying Dada and not Mama, and she doesn't like that too well. So uh, I guess I won that one, I guess. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> But uh, it's, it's one of those things where they, they usually say something other than mama and dada as well. And they say me or mine or give me. And then they get this attitude, especially as they grow older, that it's all about them. And I, we're in that stage too as well with another one of our children. It's like, no, don't touch that. That's mine. Give me that. That's my milk. It's like, okay, I get it. And it's a reminder for us in the spiritual sense that when we're born, we're born with that slant of me first. The old way of life is saying, do whatever it takes to please yourself. Do whatever it takes to make you happy. Do whatever it takes to get your pleasure, to get your satisfaction with your life. And then there comes a time, as Paul is writing to, to Christians, he's writing to the church, where there comes a time where, where we as, as Christians, as we know it, we've came to a place where we realized we needed something different. And we decided to make a change in our life and we accepted a free gift that's for all people. And, and, and we accepted that gift of, of Jesus Christ saving us from our sins. And we've said yes to Him. And that, that new life has begun and Scripture tells us that that new life begins and we begin living a life for Christ rather than for self. That's the goal. That's what, we, that's what we hope for. And I want to just ask you, I want, to, I want you to think back, because I'm, I'm talking to the church today, I know that. But I want you to think back to that time in your life 
when you were living in the old body and you were conscious, conscious of the need you needed for a new body. That, that crisis moment, that moment in time where, where you knew life as you know it was going to change if you would trust Jesus Christ. I want you to think back to that moment this morning. And I want you to think about those feelings you had, those things that came to mind as you were beginning to explore those changes in your spiritual body. You see, as we continue to try to live life in our own, in the old way of life, Romans 3.23 tells us, that if we continue to try to do it in our own, we're going to fall short. It says, for all have sinned, and all fall short of God's glorious standard. We read those words in the English language. That word glorious standard to me sticks out this week. Glorious standard. Did you realize that God's glory, God's glory, His, His greatness, His awe, His wonder, everything that we love about Him, that's His standard for us. And he's, he's willing to give that to us. The Bible says he will share his glory with us. I'm getting goosebumps just talking about that, okay? But we have a problem. In order to measure up to God's standard, we have to deal with the sin issue. We have to deal with the old life issue. We have to take care of that issue before we can ever hope to meet God's glorious standard. Now, some of us may have grown up in the, in the idea that we will never reach God's glorious standard. And I want to tell you, that's just false. We can attain that standard. How? By trusting in Jesus Christ to guide and direct us. Amen? We all fall short. We all need help. We all want to transition from the old life from something that's, that's dirty and broken down and it doesn't work as well as it used to. And then we realize that we need something new and a new body. We need a new creation. We need something new in our life. And we've encountered the living God, the loving God that sent Jesus Christ to this earth to save us from our life of sin. The life that was old and achy, frail and fragile, and He wants to give us a new you. You see, when you encounter the love of God firsthand, He wants to make you into a new you. He wants to transform your life if you'll let Him. If you'll let Him. The old life is what we're living in. It's what we're used to, the aches and the pains. But as soon as we encounter the love of God firsthand, he gives us hope. He gives us hope for what? New bodies. New bodies equal a new life. I want us to jump down a few verses in our text to verses 15 through 17. I want to read these verses to you again. Verse 15 says this, He died for everyone. <laughs> oh, hold on. I was going to just skip over that, but I'm not going to now. Somebody may have come in here this morning thinking they're not good enough, that they can't measure up, that they can't do enough good so that God would send His Son for them and them alone. I'm here to tell you today that if you were the only person here, Jesus Christ would come back for you. Why? Because He loves you. Because what? He died for everyone. 
You know, Paul's writing this letter to church people. Why is he writing it to church people? Because sometimes we need the reminder that it's not just for us. Everyone. He died for everyone. So that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves, but instead they will live for Christ, who died and was raised for them. So we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. I want us to think about that. Let's stop right there for a minute. We've talked about, since I've been your pastor, we've talked about judgment and comparison and, and really kind of looking across the aisle rather than looking in the mirror. And we've talked about that some, and, and Paul's really bringing this out to us. He's, he's saying if, if we're living in the new life and in the new body, when, when we've trusted Jesus Christ for, for our salvation and for forgiveness of our sins, that we've got to stop evaluating those who haven't from a human point of view. What he's really saying is you've got to put on your God goggles and you've got to start seeing everything through God's eyes. That means when you go out and about amongst people who are not in the church hearing this message, you have your God goggles on and you're seeing people the way he sees them. He's seeing them in their old body, in their old way of life, in their me first attitude. And he's saying, you know what? They need a new body and you know how they can get it. So stop looking at them from your own judgment and your own evaluation and start looking at them from my perspective. But he says to us, you know what? One time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. Paul, if you remember, before he was Paul, he was Saul. He viewed Christ as somebody who was just some, some human that was going around going around preaching and teaching something that was, that was false and erroneous, and he persecuted Jesus. Who, who of any of us looked at Christ from a more human perspective than Paul did at one point? And he says, even as Christians, we look at that and we say from an outside perspective, before we know we have need for a new life, we look at him and think, you know what, that's kind of crazy. Jesus did some really crazy stuff. You know that? I don't know if I can get behind, you know, water into wine, healing leprosy, raising people from the dead. That's just some weird things. Feeding 5,000 people with a sack lunch? Come on now. I, I don't know about that. And we look at Jesus through our own perspective. And we forget about the fact that if Jesus doesn't die for our sins like He said He was going to do, and then He's raised to new life, if Jesus never raised to new life, we have no purpose here today. So therefore, we must stop viewing Jesus from a human standpoint. And we must start viewing Him as we know Him firsthand. As He comes into our life and we begin to grow as we walk with Him. Amen? How differently we know Him now. What is Paul saying there? He's saying, guess what, church? Guess what, folks? You know Jesus Christ. You know what He's done for you. So now, go back to that time when we were talking earlier where you didn't know Jesus, but you knew you needed something new. And now, think about your life. Now that you know Him, now that you love Him, now that you live for Him, how differently do you view Him now? 
This means that anyone who belongs in Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Whew. <laughs> it means we're not the same anymore. It means that me first isn't in our vocabulary anymore. It means that that past sin that I thought disqualified me is forgotten and forgiven. It means the way I was living before is not the way that I'm living now. It means the way that I viewed things in the past is not how I'm supposed to view things in the future and now. It means I'm supposed to be doing a new thing with a new perspective because God's given me a new life. Amen? When we accept Jesus Christ into our life, you are not the same. A new life has begun. Another translation says, a new creature has been made. A new creature has been made. This is a word that's used for transformation, for creating something from scratch, brand new. In other words, it's not a washed life. It's not a, a, um, a dry cleaned life. It's not taking the old and kind of scraping off the edges and making it look pretty and presenting it as new. That's not what this is. It's not leftovers warmed up. That's not what this is. It's Jesus Christ taking our life and he, he changes the mold. This was my prayer this morning. God, break us from that kiln that we are hardened as clay pots and we're, we, break us, break us. And then take those broken pieces and guess what? Start to mold them however you want, Jesus. Pastor, being broken hurts. Yeah. But God wants to make you a new creature. Give you something new. He wants to make your life brand new. You see, 2005, I bought a new suit and a new shirt and a new tie. And it felt good on Easter Sunday to wear that for the first time. But I washed the shirt. The next time I wore that shirt, one of the little collar things had fallen out. So it wasn't the same. It wasn't crisp. Didn't look as sharp. I even wore the same tie, but guess what? That tie kind of gets saggy and droopy. and It's not the same. I wore the suit again, but it just didn't feel the same. It wasn't like it was brand new. But I'm so thankful that the Bible says, and Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. And you will obey my commands because you know my voice. And you will know my voice because you love me and you are in relationship with me. You see, we don't become brand new by taking a, a spiritual bath. And, and getting all cleaned and, and dressed up and fancied up to go out for something different. You see, when God changes us, He makes us completely new. He gets rid of the old. The Bible says He separates it as far as the east is from the west. It's forgotten in His mind. And we are created as a new creature 
in Him. And that newness, <laughs> Pastor, I've been following the Lord for 40 years. I, I feel like that old shirt that's been washed a lot. You know, it's because you're still living on this earth. And as long as you live on this earth, you still got to live in our old physical body. And until we see heaven and get that new body, there's going to be struggles. I don't want to give you false hope, okay? The new life doesn't mean you aren't going to struggle. The new life probably means you're going to struggle more. Why? Because you are a new creature in Jesus Christ, and He has purpose for you. He has a reason for you to be alive. And guess who doesn't like it? Old sweaty face. And He wants to tear you down. He wants to break you in a way that doesn't break you and make you into something new. He breaks you and throws you in the trash. Because that's what he believes you are. <laughs> but Jesus reaches into the garbage. And he says, I, well, I got something for you. I got brand new for you. Will you trust me? And we bring our broken pieces and we lay them out on the altar. And we're ashamed of them. And we're, we're guilty of it all. And he takes that and he makes a new creature. It's a new year. God wants to give you a new life. And when He does, you're a new creation. A new you. That's good news this morning, folks. This year, I pray that it continues to be a year of focus for our church. This means something's going to happen in our midst that only God can accomplish. It's a new year and God wants to do a new thing and in fact, He's already doing it. Amen? It's a new year and God has given us a new perspective. A perspective that it's God first and others as ourself. And God wants to give us a new you. I'm excited for what God wants to do in our midst. I'm excited and I believe that it becomes with us trusting Him to make us into new creatures. Think back to that time in your life when you were living for self. Think back to your life when God was not a part of it. You did what you wanted. You lived how you thought was best, and yet you felt incomplete, unfulfilled. Your body ached. Your head ached. You had bad decisions. You lived an old life. And the reality is, is that we've all been there. We've all lived that way. We've all lived in sin and we all fall short of His glorious standard. But He wants to create a new you. I know there's some of you today that you've been walking with the Lord and you remember that time in your life when you needed Jesus to change you and make you new. And it transformed your life so much that you want everybody you know to have that same feeling. You talk about it. The way you walk shows that Jesus is in your life and He's number one. And, and, and it shows you, you exude Jesus to the people you come in contact with. And it's your desire that everybody you know comes to know and experience that new creation. Imagine we, with me for a minute as we approach this new year that God would use you and me to make sure more people come to know 
Jesus Christ. Imagine with me this morning that if we had a year that we were so focused on understanding as a church what it means to move forward and to love God with everything we have, to grow with Him on a daily basis because He continues to mold us and shape us. And then guess what? We begin to serve and we begin to look at others through God's perspective and we say, you know what? They need Jesus too. I'm going to grab them by the hand and we're going to go together. Imagine what life would be like as Christians if we began to stop viewing others from a human point of view and started seeing them from God's point of view. Imagine the focus we would have. See, we have to stop evaluating others from a human point of view. We judge them, we criticize them. The reality is, is that they probably don't even know that they need to be made new. I want to share this brief story with you. I was in, in Wichita, Kansas, and we were part of a men's group there, and I was talking to this, this older gentleman that had been through uh, a crazy life, crazy life. And uh, he, he grew up in a church out in western Kansas and grew up there all of his life. He became a teenager and began to rebel from the church and live his own life and live for self. And when he got back to, to Wichita, he got married and uh, divorced and then remarried again and started building his life, came to a church and, and realized his need that he needed to be made new. And, and God drastically changed and saved him. And his whole life was transformed. The old was all gone. It was never to be seen again. He was a new creature. But there was something he struggled with. He had a his words, not mine. He had a hatred for that old church because he never knew that he needed something new. The church wasn't bold enough to say, hey, buddy, you're living in sin. You need Jesus Christ. That stuck with me because I don't want to get to heaven one day and God look at me and say, what did you do with the talent I gave you? Did you tell somebody that they needed to be made new? Did you point it out to them that they had a desire and they had a need that was being unfulfilled and you had the answer and you didn't give it to them? I don't, wanna, I don't want that risk. I don't want that chance. God, you've made me a new person. I want to focus on looking at others the way you look at them. I want to focus on your point of view. Here's my challenge for us today. The year of focus as a church, we're going to focus on things that matter. Focus on things that matter. The, the first thing is that we're going to love. We're going to love. We're going to love God and we're going to love others. How do we do that, Pastor? We're going to do that as we come in here to worship together. One of the best ways that you can show your love to God is to come to church and worship Him with other believers. Amen? I believe that wholeheartedly. The Bible says to us, don't stop meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. In other words, they've made a habit. They, they're, they're done making excuses. It's, it's a lifestyle to avoid church and worship and loving God. That's what habit means. So don't get into that habit. How do we love God here? We need to come and worship Him with all that we have. Well, I've had a bad week. I really don't feel like worshiping. This is going to be a safe place where you can come and just love God. Amen? 
And as you do that, as you begin to love God with everything that you have, and you look next door to the person next to you, and you're seeing them do the same thing, oh, it just creates a bond. It just creates a bond. And as we focus in our worship service, our corporate worship times of just loving Him, just loving Him, He's going to allow us to see things from a different perspective. And as we come here to love Him, we're going to love on others. You're already good at that. We love on each other. We, we give each other hugs. We try to encourage one another. Because why? We love God and we love each other. That's got to be a focus. It's got to maintain a focus in our church. The other way that we're going to focus is we're going to grow. We're going to grow. In our walk with God and with others in real relationships. I got to keep going back to this. And somebody came to me one time and they said, Pastor, you know what? I can worship God anywhere. I want a place where I can grow. I want a place where I can plug in and I can learn more. I can grow more. I can walk with other people in this journey. That's what it's about, folks. Real relationship. Pastor, I don't like people. Sorry. If you want to go to heaven, there's going to be a lot of people there. So why don't we start practicing now? Why don't we get ready? Why do we have to wait for heaven? Why can't we have heaven here on earth? Amen? How do we do that? Through real relationships. Guess what? Real relationships are dirty. They're messy. They're disappointing. <laughs> They're hard. Makes you want to quit. The way the enemy attacks us the most is through real relationships. He can attack a worship service, but the way he really gets to us is he starts pressing those buttons with people we care about. He starts making us feel that me first attitude again. Real relationships. People just like you and just like me that want to grow and keep progressing, keep growing in this new life together. As a year of focus, we're going to focus on loving God and growing together. Growing together in our walk with Him and with one another. The final thing that we're going to focus on is serve. And this one's a long. There's a lot of words there, but this is very important. Walking with God is more than attending worship. Amen? Hold on, hold on. If you don't know that, it's true, okay? Walking with God is more than just coming on Sundays. It's more than attending worship. It is more about what we can do for Him in service then, once we're doing that, we want others to join us on this journey to love, to grow, and to serve. As, as your pastor, it's my desire to kind of narrow down the, the unnecessary, to focus in on what really matters. And if we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we love others as ourselves, then guess what? He's going to give us opportunity to grow and to learn more. He's going to give us opportunity to get plugged into a small group or a life group that says, you know what? We're like-minded people. We're real people that we want to have real relationships with one another and we want to help one another on this journey with God. And guess what? As you do that and you're in a group and you're going through a topic that you know is not just a Christian topic, you can say, you know what? That person I work with would really enjoy this. They could really use this. And guess what? God's just giving you a light bulb moment that says, you know what? You know that they need something new in their life and you have the answer. Are you going to hold on to it or are you going to share it with them? This is, the, this is the only time in life where cheating is acceptable. 
You can give other people the answers here, okay? I tell my kids all the time, don't cheat. Don't give anybody else your answer. This is the time where you can. Amen? Hello. They need the answers. You have them. That happens in real relationships. And as we begin serving, you know, we're, we're coming to you. I said last week, we're not quite yet begging and groveling for people to serve, but we're almost there. Why is it that we're almost there? We're almost there because when people begin to serve and, and other people don't come along and we don't, we don't do this in tandem and we don't do this, we carry the, we carry the, the yoke on ourselves, and the yoke is meant for two at least, right? You know what I'm talking about? And if we're carrying that all by ourselves, we're dragging it and we can't go very fast and very far and usually we're probably just going to go in a circle. That's where we're at. Serve is more than attending worship. Pastor, I don't have time. I don't either. Pastor, I don't really want to grow. Oh, I'm sorry, let's talk about that. Pastor, I can't serve. I'm not gifted. Every Christian is created new and given a gift. That's a whole other sermon for a whole other day. You have something that God wants you to give. You have something that God wants you to serve with. He's created you for that purpose. As a year of focus, it's easy for us to get busy in the church. It's easy for us to do good things all the time and to get tired and to get worn out. And I believe the reason we're struggling in this serve area is because we're doing so many things and we're not focused on the things that really matter. It means that we may have to say no to some things. It means as a church, we may have to change the way we've always done it. Ooh. Pastor, that's been good and it's, it's worked for 30 years. Yeah, but guess what? There's not enough people that are willing to serve to do it anymore. Ooh. Pastor, that's a really good ministry. It's a really good outreach. Why are we stopped doing it? Because nobody came to do it. We had a great crowd. We had a we had ton of people, but we had two people working it. We can't do it. It's not serving the purpose of what God's called us to do. If we're not growing together and we're not taking somebody with us, then we probably shouldn't be doing it. But that's hard to swallow. So here's, here's how I want us to respond today. As we focus on these three things as a church, I want to encourage you to pray. We're going to close our service with a prayer time today. And I'm going to invite you to pray about a few things. You see it there in your outline. And I want this to be personal. I want you to take this with you. So here's the first thing I need you to pray for. And I'm going to ask our musicians if they would come, start making their way forward. We're going to, we're going to sing a song and then we're going to open up the altars and just have a time of prayer together this morning. The first thing is this. I want you to pray for yourself. Pray for yourself. And I want you to ask yourself a couple of questions. The first thing is this. Are you still trying to live in the old body? If you're still trying to live in the old body and God hasn't given you a new life, that's where we need to start. And this is a great opportunity. There's no time like the present to say, God, I know I have this hole in my life. Things aren't going the way that I thought they should go. And I don't quite know what it is. I, I got the answer. 
Jesus needs to be Lord of your life. Jesus needs to save you from your sins. You can't grow and you can't serve until you've taken care of number one. Amen? Pray for yourself. Are you new for God? And if not, let's pray for that. But I also want you to pray for yourself because I want to ask you to pray that God would open your heart to what He wants for you. Number two, we want to pray for others. Who needs to be a new creation for God? There's somebody you know that doesn't know the answer right now. There's somebody you know that doesn't even know they need to be a new person. I want you to write their name down. And I want you to be praying specifically for that person. Because I guarantee you, you come into our class here on Wednesday night in the sanctuary, there is testimony after testimony about people writing down a name, praying for that person for a year, and then seeing the fruit as they're able to share the gospel with them. Wow! Write their name down. Pray for others. The third thing is this. We want to pray for engagement. Pray for engagement. In other words, where... Can you serve? This is for those of you that are, that are here that are like, I am a new person. I'm a new creature. I'm, I'm growing with God. I'm, I'm, I'm learning so much. I'm loving where I'm at in a spiritual journey. But there's still something missing. Yeah. You got to go do something too. You got to do something with what you know. You got to apply it to your life. So I'm going to invite you to stand with me. We're just going to close our time today in prayer. The team's going to sing this song. Sing with us. And as you sing, if you want to come and pray, come and pray. We want to pray with you. We want to pray for you. But we just want to make sure we leave here on the right note. Let's sing this. We are standing.